This morning we are going to continue to look at um, one of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus after his resurrection and today we're going to be in Luke's gospel. So if you'll find the book of Luke and turn to chapter 24 while you're uh, going there, I need a little audience participation from you this morning. If you know me, you know that I'm, I'm a movie guy. I love, I love watching movies. I love great movies. And some of the greatest movies that have ever been made are m- movies that have been produced as adaptations of novels or books that have been written. And when it comes to movies that have been made based on a book, there are two different kinds of people I normally have discovered. And, and I want to see who is who this morning. So the first, first one, when it comes to movies that were made about books, um, there are the book first people. And those are, those are the ones of you who refuse to see any movie that's based on a book without having read the book first. Who are those people? Like, you're not going to go see the movie until you read the book. Okay, there's a few of y'all here. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, what, that's the only way. How else do you do that? Well, the other way is you're movie-only people. <laughs> and um, that tends to be me. Movie-only people are the ones who know that they're not going to invest the time to actually read the book, so they're good with going ahead and seeing the movie, having not read a word out of the book. Who are those people? Okay. (laughs) The majority of us have admitted that we're movie-only people, and but you know what? I want to be honest this morning and say I wish I was a book-first person. I wish... I wish I was in that first group, but I'm, I'm not, and I know that about myself, but I wish I was because there is a richness, and any, all you book first people are going to be amen in your mind all the time I'm saying this, but there's a richness to a literary story that can only be captured in the pages of a book. It, it can't be, this is the, the English teacher down here going to give me an amen. Um, you, you can't. The power of the written word and the imagination together can't, can't be replicated on a movie screen. It just can't. And there are elements to the story that you're never going to get unless you read the book. Because it, it develops the story on, on a deeper level than a movie can. Um, a movie producer has to make decisions and screenwriters have to make decisions about what details to put in the movie and which ones to take out because you can't fit an entire unabridged version of a story into a movie. It it would take hours and hours and hours. And our attention spans as moviegoers are not that long. So there are the people who, if, if you really, really want to experience the depth of the story, You have to read the book. This morning, uh, we're going to look at two of Jesus' disciples who, if we were to evaluate them, they're probably those movie-only people, like most of us. Um, We're going to begin in verse 13 of chapter 24 of Luke, and I just want to read through the entire story with you, and then we're going to break it down and talk about it. Um, Beginning in verse 13 of Luke 24. This is what Luke's gospel says. Now that same day, 
two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And if you continue reading from there, you find out that while these two were in the gathering of the disciples who were there in the upper room and the followers of Jesus, this is when Jesus comes into the room and it says while they were saying all these things that Jesus shows up. And that appearance of Jesus that we talked about last week with Thomas happens now. So these two stories, the timelines kind of come together. Now, these two disciples, neither of them are a part of the twelve, but nevertheless they are disciples and followers of Jesus and no doubt have spent a lot of time following Jesus, developing a relationship with Jesus, listening to his teachings, watching him perform miracles. Only one of them is given a name by Luke, and that's Cleopas, and this is likely because when Luke was writing his gospel several years after these events took place, 
Cleopas would have likely been a source for Luke, that Luke would have sat down with Cleopas and said, hey, I, I need you to recount that story for me so that I can put it, put it down in writing. And so he, he names Cleopas. The other um, disciple is not named. We don't know who they are. Um, we sometimes assume that it was a man, but it, it doesn't indicate that in the scriptures. It could have been a woman. But there's another companion there with Cleopas, and these two are traveling together. There's not a whole lot that the scriptures tell us about them, but we can draw some conclusions about them based on this account from Luke. One is they had been in Jerusalem and had just experienced everything that had happened regarding Jesus. They likely had a relationship with the apostles and had spent time with them and also had spent time with Jesus. It says that they were traveling on Sunday, which is the same day. This is the same day that Jesus has risen from the dead. Early that morning, he was resurrected. So this is later in the day, that afternoon. And they had heard the accounts of the women, and they have heard the accounts of Peter and John, but these two had something in common with Thomas, in that up until this point, they had not seen the risen Jesus. And we think that they probably were pilgrims that, that were traveling from Emmaus, that had traveled from Emmaus into Jerusalem for the Passover, experienced everything, and now they're going back home. And if they were followers of Jesus and they had all their hopes in Jesus, now he's gone. Passover is over. Jesus is dead. There's no reason for us to stick around. There's no reason for us to stay in Jerusalem. So they're, they're traveling back home. So Luke tells us that Jesus appears in their company while they're walking. And, and Jesus just, don't you love how Jesus just does that post-resurrection? He, he just shows up in the midst of his, his people. He, he, he comes with the disciples. He comes walking through the door, walking through the wall, and the, where the doors are locked. And this one, these two are traveling along the road, and then all of a sudden they don't notice that there's a third traveler with them. Um, for some reason it doesn't... Uh, get their attention, they just notice, hey, here's somebody else that's joined us. But Luke says that they're kept from recognizing, or that word means, means prevented. Um, their eyes were blind to the fact that this was Jesus walking with them. He, he was just a stranger to them at this point. And you wonder, well, how could this happen, and why does this happen? Well, this, this is not... Uh, something that's out of the realm of possibility for Jesus. Jesus completely has the power to be able to restrict uh, the discernment and the vision of these two to let them see that it's him. And so Jesus intentionally is veiling his identity from them. Luke doesn't tell us specifically why, but um, I, I've got a speculation that we'll get to in just a minute as to why Jesus um, did this. So as Jesus joined them, it says that they're having a discussion about all the things that had happened. And I think it's important for us to think about their state of mind at this point. And the state of mind of, of most of Jesus' disciples at this point. Remember, they were sad, confused. They were trying to make sense of everything that had happened. Um, these two represent the people who thought Jesus was going to be the political, military Messiah who was going to come in and free them from the tyranny of Rome. 
these two would have been two people who were in that crowd who were shouting Hosanna on Palm Sunday as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem. They thought he was going to be their rescuer from Rome. And again, they're traveling home because all of those expectations, all of those hopes of what Jesus was about to do and the kingdom he was about to bring are gone because he is dead. And in their minds, he's not coming back. So they're having this discussion and they're trying to figure it out. Have you ever just sat with somebody trying to figure out God? It's difficult. And we have those kind of discussions. This is one of those discussions they're having. And Jesus comes up in their midst and, and he asks them, he says, what, what are you talking about that's making you so sad? Obviously, it's not because Jesus didn't know what they were talking about. Of course he knew. But he asked so that it would reveal the need they had. They had a need, a great need for understanding. And Jesus often revealed the needs of people with simple questions in the gospel. And if we pay attention, Jesus does the same thing in our lives. He reveals our needs by posing to us simple, simple questions. And so, look at their response when he asks them, what are you talking about? Verse 17, it says that they stopped and they stood with sad faces. Um, I kind of imagine they're walking along and Jesus says, what are y'all talking about? And, he, and they stop and just kind of have one of those moments where they stop and turn around and look at him and go, who are you? And where have you been? I, I imagine I was trying to put myself in their place as I hear Jesus ask this question. And I thought about it. It may be similar to the way we would feel if somebody had come up to you on September 12th, 2001, and said, what is, what is everybody talking about on the news? Something about New York and... And the Pentagon, like what's going on? Like if somebody walked up to you on September 12th that day and said, what is everybody talking about? I'm pretty sure your response would have been, uh, where have you been? Like this is the biggest tragedy in the history of the, uh, like, like this is all the whole world is talking about right now. Where have you been? hiding this is kind of the response that they have is that for these days everybody in Jerusalem has have been talking about Jesus and all of these events and what has happened and they can't believe they can't fathom that somebody would walk up and not know the story and not know what's going on so they say are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know about Jesus, and, and, and he says, well, what about him? And so they begin to share. They begin to tell what they understood. They started to reveal what they knew and what they understood about Jesus. So how much of Jesus did their explanation show that they understood? What, when we look at what they say about Jesus, how they tell the story, what is it that they, that they understood? Well, at first they understood that Jesus was a prophet. 
from God. And they called him a prophet. They didn't yet have the understanding of him as the Messiah. They had hoped he was going to be the Messiah. But at this point, they didn't believe it. His deity was not something that they had, had understood yet. And notice when they talk about Jesus and they say he was a prophet. And they use it in past tense, implying he was a prophet of God, but he's not anymore because he's dead. It shows that they didn't actually believe that he had risen, even though they had heard the accounts of the women. They had heard the accounts of the men who had gone to the tomb, but they didn't in their hearts believe that that could be true yet. They said that he was mighty in word and deed before God and the people. They knew that Jesus had done things no one else had ever done before. They knew that he spoke with authority like no one had ever spoken. And they believed that Jesus had the favor of God, that he was sent by God, and that he came with the power of God, and that God empowered him to do the great works and miracles that he had done. And this shows that the majority of the people liked Jesus. They, they, they accepted him. They were excited and enthusiastic about him. He had favor with the people. Then they also indicate that they held their own religious leaders responsible for the death of Jesus. Do you notice when they're explaining the crucifixion, they don't mention the Romans at all? They don't blame the Romans for Jesus' death. They blame the chief priests and the Sanhedrin, which are the ones who were responsible for the movement to have Jesus crucified. And at this point, they don't necessarily say that in anger. They, they say it as a matter of fact. That our religious... We hoped that he was going to be the Messiah, but our religious leaders obviously didn't think it was him because they had him murdered. They had him crucified. And they also shared that their hope was that Jesus was going to be the one that they were all waiting for. But that was only a hope at that point. And that hope had died with Jesus on the cross. Even after they had heard the reports of the women, even after they heard Peter and John, they ended their story by saying, but they haven't seen Jesus and we haven't either. Every hour as they traveled, every hour that went by was more and more proof that Jesus was dead and he wasn't coming back. And they even mention in their story that it's been, the, it's been three days. And part of that could have been them saying to this unknown stranger it's been three days since all this stuff has happened we can't believe that you don't know what's what's going on but maybe they remembered that jesus talked about that he would rise on the third day and maybe their hearts are thinking it's been three days and we haven't seen him it's been three days the women found the empty tomb the men found the empty tomb but they we haven't heard anybody say they've seen jesus yet we sure haven't seen him so, we're trying to figure it out. What, what was it all for? Did we waste all of our time following him? So then Jesus, 
answers them. So they show what they know. Obviously, we know that they don't know the whole story. That they've misunderstood what's going on. And Jesus knows that they misunderstood what's going on. So he replies to them, and, and, and this is what he says. He says, how foolish are you and slow to believe what? Now pay attention here. This is, this is the big part. He doesn't say how foolish you are and slow to believe the testimony of your friends. Or how slow you are to believe what other people say or what other people have experienced. He doesn't, he doesn't use those as points of reference that they should be relying on. What he says is how foolish you are and slow to believe what the prophets have spoken. Jesus took them back to the scriptures. And this is where everything changes for these guys. For you guys that have been, been here for a few weeks and you remember the gummy bear thing, this is their green gummy bear moment. Okay? This is, this is that moment where they realize that they didn't know what they didn't know, but Jesus did. So Jesus knows that they don't know what they don't know. And Jesus is about to tell them what they don't know. And this, this, is, this is so great. Jesus has revealed their need to them. Um, they couldn't see Jesus as the Messiah all of this time. And they were having such a hard time dealing with his death because they had missed everything that the scriptures had been saying about Jesus all along. They had missed all of the prophecies about the Messiah from the Old Testament. So they only had a partial understanding of Messiah. And so now Jesus was going to show them everything they had missed. Now, I want you to imagine um, if... Would you like to be able to just go take a walk with Jesus and for him to explain to you everything about himself that you didn't know or didn't understand about him. That's, that's what was happening here. This is like, um, Dr. Purdy, this, this would be like Jesus was walking these guys through a whole Old Testament survey on the street as they were traveling, explaining everything to them all, uh, that the prophets had said that they didn't understand. Now, I, took a, I, I took a lot of religion classes in college, but I think... If Jesus had been teaching Old Testament survey, I would have taken that class. <laughs> have you ever had a, a college professor who wrote the textbook that you're using? Hello? <laughs> Jesus is going to open the, open the scriptures. He's, he's going to say, don't you remember... Don't you remember reading what the prophet said? And he goes through and explains all the prophecies and says, no, guys, what you, what you guys are missing is that all of the things that have happened to Jesus, all of the things that you've told me, it's all, in, it's all here. And instead of it pointing to Jesus not being the Messiah, it does the exact opposite. It points and shouts and screams that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. You just missed it. You weren't, you, 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 nobody taught you what it, what it said. No, you, di you didn't take time to read it for yourself. You, you, you don't know what you don't know. But, but I want to show you. 
these two had lived in the movie. But they hadn't read the book yet. You got, you, you, are you with me? They, they saw the movie. They lived in the movie. But they hadn't read the book. There was so much in the book that they had not understood, that they had not seen. They couldn't get the whole story. So why didn't Jesus want them to know it was him when, when he explained this? And this is, a, this is a good, profound question. And if I could give you my humble guess, it would be because Jesus was directing them back to the Scriptures. He wanted them to experience the power in the explanation, not in the person bringing the explanation. He wanted them to experience the power of the scriptures, not in the person who was bringing the explanation. Because think about it. If those two had realized this was Jesus, they would have been completely enamored, excited, exuberant that the fact that Jesus was there and alive. But that wasn't the point of their conversation Jesus wanted, wanted them to experience what the Scripture said. And church, that is what Jesus wants for us as well. He wants us to experience the power of the explanation in His Word. Not just the person who brings it. Too many of us are movie-only Followers of Jesus. We follow Jesus the same way we only watch movies and never read books. What we know of Jesus is based solely on what we've seen, what we've heard from other people and their experiences and what we experience on our own. And our understanding of who God is and who Christ is is only partial. And that's the reason there's so much confusion in the world and in the church as to who God is and who Jesus is. And what his will is for our lives. We have several things in common with these two this morning. First, going back to the book movie analogy. There are some parts of the story that you can only experience by reading the book. Right? We're all my book people. Am I right? There's some parts of the story you're only going to experience by reading the book. You'll never know about them if you only watch the movie. If we don't read the book, we miss important details that are essential to understanding the story on a deeper level. There are so many of us who are walking around with an incomplete understanding of who Jesus is because we've relied on other people to tell us the story. Rather than to experience the words of the story ourselves. This, this is what is dangerous. I want you to trust me as your pastor. I want you to trust that when I stand in this pulpit and I open God's word and I teach you, that I'm teaching you the truth. You have every reason to expect that. And that's what, that is my goal. And also, 
my responsibility is to teach you the whole counsel of who God is throughout all the scriptures. But if you only come and listen to me or only come and listen to your Sunday school teacher and that's all of the story you're getting, you're barely watching the movie. You got to read the book. Go home. Open the scriptures. Spend time in the word. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. If you just come to worship on Sundays, you'll learn about this much from listening to me. If you open the word and let the Spirit teach you, you'll learn this much. It just depends on how much of the story you really want. Don't settle for this when this is there. And Jesus says to them, you're foolish because the scriptures have been there all along and you've just not seen it. And this is what's scary about trusting religious leaders too much. These two likely assumed that one of the reasons they had to believe that Jesus was not the Messiah was because the religious leaders that they trusted to teach them the scriptures missed it too. It, it would have been really likely for, for them to think, well, we thought Jesus was the Messiah, but the people that we trust, the chief priests and the religious leaders, they obviously, obviously didn't think Jesus was the Messiah because they had him killed. If, if they say that he wasn't the Messiah, then maybe he wasn't. But they completely missed it just like they did. Humans, even human teachers are, are, are fallible. I'm not going to be right 100% of the time. Nobody is, but, but God's word is. The spirit will teach you. Don't just trust what everybody else says about Jesus all the time because everybody else is not right. The Sanhedrin missed it. Don't rely on others to give you the whole story when the story is already in your hands. You have it. And Jesus says if we, if we don't read it, we're foolish. And this is another danger. A partial understanding of Jesus is just enough to completely miss everything about Jesus. Sometimes only having part of the revelation of God is enough for you to completely miss who God is altogether. If I say the name Paul Harvey, a lot of you will know who I'm talking about. Paul Harvey was an ABC radio broadcaster. He was on the radio from 1952 to 2008. He was a radio icon. And he was famous for one tagline. What was it? Yep. What Paul Harvey would do is he would bring up an event in history, he would bring up a story that you already knew something about, and he would tell you what you knew about the story, and then he would say, but stay tuned for the rest of the story. And then he would drop a bomb on you of something about the story that you didn't know before, that you had never heard, and it made you look at the story completely different. 
that's kind of what Jesus was doing here. Like some of you, he, I think he just screams to the church. Some of you think you know who I am. But now there's the rest of the story that you're, that you're missing. Let me show you that. And a partial understanding of Jesus, if, if we're not careful, we'll completely miss him altogether. Folks, there are dozens of other world religions and cults on this planet who talk about Jesus. Who talk about Jesus in their scriptures. Who teach about Jesus. And some of the things they teach about Jesus are accurate and true. But they only have a partial understanding of who Jesus is. And for them, that partial understanding is just enough for them to be deceived and miss the entire point of who Jesus really is. And if we're not careful, a partial understanding will be enough to cause us to completely miss the kingdom of God. God wants us to understand the whole counsel of his word and not to miss it. And so, don't you wish, wouldn't it be great if you could have an experience with Jesus like these two did? Wouldn't it be great if you could sit down and have Jesus open up the scriptures for you and teach you from the scriptures, who he really is. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, guess what? You can do it. It's not just a story for these two. It's the story of the walk of a believer. It's the story of the Christian life. It's the story of opening the scriptures and the Holy Spirit sitting and teaching us. It's not impossible. If you sat here and said, oh yeah, that would be great. If I could just sit down with Jesus and have him explain everything to me in the scriptures, that would be awesome. Would you spend time doing that? Absolutely. Well, why aren't you doing it now? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. When you open up God's word and you say, God, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. He will teach you. But you'll never know what that feels like until you do it. And you've got to do it more than once. And you can't do this. That doesn't work either. The more time that you spend alone with God and His Word, the more time the Holy Spirit will spend teaching you what you don't know. And then the greater your understanding, the more you'll see Jesus for who He really, truly is. And lastly, I want you to think about how did this experience change these two disciples? After they finished their walk and Jesus finished explaining everything to them in verse 29, it says that they got to where they were going and Jesus acted as if he was going to continue to travel. And they said, no, we don't want you to leave. We want you to stay here. Like the language in that text almost implies that they did everything they could to insist that Jesus not leave them. They said, we want you to stay. We're going to stop here. 
it's, it's, it's almost evening anyway. Just stay here with us. Eat with us. You know why? Because they wanted to hear more. They wanted to hear more. The more time you spend in God's word, the greater your desire to be with him will grow. And the more time you spend in God's word, the more your desire to be with God's people will grow. You find yourself not wanting to come to church? Start reading the scriptures. Start letting him teach you. You'll want to be here. You'll want to hear his word read. You'll want to hear his word preached. Because you won't be able to get enough. Like these two. No, Jesus, we don't want you to go away. We want you to stay with us. Like we want to be in your presence all the time. And their eyes were open to see him for who he really was. Verses 30 and 31. While they were sitting there, Jesus took the veil away. And they could see him. And they were overwhelmed. And then, because they were overwhelmed in verses 33 through 35, <laughs> you know what happens when you let Jesus sit down with you and teach you his word? You're going to want to tell everybody what he's taught you. It says, as soon as he disappeared, they realized who he was, they recognized him, he disappeared. He, he does that post-resurrection. He appears and disappears. But it says as soon as he disappeared, they got up immediately and they started back to Jerusalem because they said, we've got to go tell everybody. everybody they, they, it's this enthusiasm of maybe they're like we were. Like I know so many of them think he's not alive, just like we thought he wasn't alive. But now we know he's alive because he showed us he's alive. And he really is the Messiah because he just showed us how it is. We've got to go back and tell everybody. If you let God teach you his word, he will show you things that will fire you up and make you so excited you can't help but tell everybody about it. You're going to go to work the next day and say, oh, man, I was reading my Bible. And you know what God showed me? I'd never seen this before. This is what he showed me. And you're going to come to Sunday school and your Sunday school teachers are going to go, what? <laughs> you actually read your Bible during the week? And you're going to blow their mind. Because it's going to overflow out of you. The whole point of today's message is this. Quit waiting for the movie. Because there's not going to be one. Start experiencing the whole story of Jesus by picking up the book and reading it. Not the abridged version but Jesus unabridged. It's the whole story of Scripture.